Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I, I suddenly remember that verse from Paul about everything being permissible, but not everything being beneficial. Yes. Um, that's one I played in my head a lot over the past several years. Like, if everything's permiss- permissible, then sure, why not? Let's just let's just transition. And But I think the, the, the question I had and the question I've always stuck with, and that's that I keep coming back to to not transitioning is I'm not sure it's beneficial. <laughs> I'm not sure at the end of the day it's really beneficial. Um, you know, another verse from Paul that stuck out was, you know, when I I'm paraphrasing here, it's like when I was a child, I acted like a child. I spoke like a child. And there's there was part of me, you know, towards the end of my time on HRT that I, I felt like there 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 feels like something I feel a little bit like a child doing this. I feel like I'm trying to like run away to sort of just escape. I don't really feel like I'm taking responsibility for my own life, my own health. I'm saying, well, if there's this magical sort of cure, let me go run after that. Or um, hmm. I, I was browsing a, a subreddit recently on on detransitioners and and somebody brought up the term they likened it to suicide ideation and they said transition ideation like you just feel like if you just do it everything's going to be okay you're going to escape and a lot of times that's how i feel and i and i liken it back to the verse from paul because in a lot of ways at least for me that isn't a mature response that's not a mature thought or idea to say oh hey i'm gonna do this and everything's gonna work out i've been doing a lot of uh interviews of like candidates and stuff recently and i've had much worse than what i'm uh (laughs) i bet so yeah (laughs) you're never gonna what you're gonna get i i interview a whole lot of normies myself and it's always a crapshoot yep yep i just tell people hey if you know how to get on a get on a zoom call then it's fine we'll deal with it yeah yeah yeah. Uh, yeah. if if i look like shit then we got issues (laughs) (laughs) speaking of which you don't oh oh, appreciate it you you've changed a lot i interviewed you i think it was two years ago i didn't check the date my bad but you were in a completely different headspace and your, your soul was, it was at a different wavelength. Yeah. 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 I think I was in, I was just in survival mode back then. And I was looking and, and, and trying for anything that I could, I could find to just survive. Um, and I, uh, I think I'm out of that survival mode and more just in a, in a thrive space right now. Hmm. Um, and yeah, I get, I get a lot of people kind of telling me that. I mean, I, um, 
yeah, I, I just, I feel alive for the first time in maybe 10 years. So hmm. it's great. <laughs> hmm. Well, yeah. let, let's, let's tell that story and then get into the interesting bits. Yeah. But so when I interviewed you, we, we interviewed about your uh, gender dysphoria or your concern about your own gender and yep. uh, you were coming out of a, um, a marriage that had fallen apart due in part to that or other things. Yep. And uh, you were really struggling and you had been helped through your pastor or your church community to a certain extent uh, yep. to help you plug in uh, to something. Uh, and it seemed at that point that you were backing away from uh, questioning your gender a little bit and trying to figure out how to accept yourself. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I've been trying to figure out where the heck I was back then. Um, I think I was just kind of oscillating back, back in those days. I was just kind of oscillating, looking for, looking for an answer. Um, I was in a sense looking for somebody to tell me what to do. Hmm. I, uh, I had two, logically speaking, I, I know there's, there's a myriad of options. Life, uh, there's lots of options in life. There's different mm. paths you can go. Um, but I was stuck in a very, uh, a very mode of black and white thinking, very, um, very binary, so to speak. Um, Why do you think that you uh, got into that habit of mind? I, I think it's just a, a matter of like perfectionism. Uh, always was a perfectionist growing up and I just grew up in a, you know, a religious environment where things were black and white. It was, you know, this is good. This is bad. Uh, spent some time as a, as a Southern Baptist missionary and there was definitely lines of black and white and it was just a default. Um, I think I, I say that I've said, I feel alive for the first time in 10 years. Well, 10 years ago, there was a point where I was breaking out of a lot of that black and white thinking and just, uh, uh I don't know if it was just youth immaturity, uh, but didn't, but was still, still looking for validation of my thinking externally. And hmm. when that didn't come, and in fact, the opposite of it came actual, like verbal, spiritual, emotional abuse came instead of validation, I, I just broke down because I didn't have any way like internally or, or any strength to like stand up for myself at that point. And so then I just defaulted back to my black and white thinking and it just got worse and worse over time. Interesting. Okay. So yeah. um, that lack of an internal uh, something uh, sense yep. of self or stability, it sounds vaguely like borderline personality. I don't want to get into pathologizing it, but it seemed like you, you couldn't see or find like your core. Yeah, I think that's part of it. Uh, I think I was, I was finding it at that time. Again, I think a lot of that was, was probably just youth and growing up and yeah. being out on my own for the first time. And I, I can definitely say I was starting to find myself, but I was still, I was still looking for validation. It was like, uh, okay. yeah, I, I was married at one point and in, in, when I was in, when I was in Southeast Asia doing mission work, I, I was falling in love with my then wife, uh, well, my, my now ex-wife, um, and I was looking for permission. 
I, I needed permission from like, I wanted permission from my boss. I wanted permission from my friends. I wanted permission uh, from anyone really just but myself to like pursue my, who would become my wife. And yeah, things, things just don't work like that. Mm. I was just, I had this mindset and it was drilled into me. Like I needed permission from leaders and from authority to pursue things that I knew were good. And I've, I've since learned that that's probably not the best way to go about things. I think looking, I think looking for insight, input, advice, nothing wrong with that. But when it crosses a line to becoming, I'm surrendering sort of my sovereignty and my control over my sphere of influence to somebody else. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just briefly or at length, whatever you feel like getting into, how did the concept of gender or gender dysphoria work into that or become another plane in which you were acting out this seeking of validation? Yeah. So I think those days, um, it was kind of interesting because I, again, I was, it was in this very formative stage in my life where I was, I was learning to kind of be free internally, but I wasn't there yet. I had a, you know, freedom is a, Freedom or sovereignty at an individual level is a it's a learned skill. It's a it's a virtue. It's not something that's necessarily innate. Uh, And I was learning that. And at that time where I was I was really starting to come alive, I was coming alive with what I was doing. I was being very creative. I was doing a lot of photography, playing music, um, just being a creative individual. And I didn't struggle with uh, gender dysphoria at that time because I. It's just like I had, I kind of had everything I needed. Um, the issue was I was still, I was still seeking a validation externally that I didn't need. And at, hmm. at one point, I mean, the whole thing blew, really blew up because I actually had a dream where in that dream I was a, I was a woman and it was the first time in, you know, nine months I had really even thought about gender and it freaked me out. And I woke up and I called my boss and I didn't tell him about the dream because this was, I was a Southern Baptist missionary. If I tell him about the dream, like this is going to blow up. And, uh, you know, he turned it into this whole thing of like, well, it's, it's because of your relationship and, and you're being, and eventually it devolved into you're being a detriment to the advancement of the gospel in Southeast Asia and just all this garbage. Okay. And so it just like, it just snowballed. And okay. so he used know, that it, to further control you or shame yeah. you and, yeah. and control you more. Okay. Yeah. And at that point, it just kind of snowballed. Eventually, you know, I got fired. Uh, I think looking back on it now, the, the correct response probably would have been to just tell him, you know, look, I, I don't think this is reconcilable. I'm either going to leave or I'm going to stay here and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, I don't think the latter was probably would have probably been the best option. That would have been probably the more <laughs> immature uh, headstrong option. But I, I should have just left. Um, but eventually, you know, my, my wife came home and we got married and, uh, you know, I was just lost because of that, because of all that. Like I had this purpose I had, you know, I was, I was serving the Lord. I had these, these, these ideals, these purposes and things, and they were gone because it was definitely an abusive situation. I came home that the church basically just said, Oh, well, you know, you're an employee. You've got to, you know, you know, you've got to listen to your leader, like submit, submit to authority. Um, And so it's like justifying the garbage by taking verses out of context. And I, I mean, I just, I just slowly over the course of, you know, the first year and a half of our marriage just lost myself. 
uh, because I didn't know what I was doing. I felt empty from the, the job I was pursuing. I just, you know, I, I didn't have anything I was moving towards. I didn't have anything, you know, my, my, like, I don't know. I just got to a point uh, where I got in this, uh, this was summer of 2015. So this is going back seven years ago. Now I got in this terrible, terrible car accident and um, hmm. I, I could have killed somebody. It was my fault. Um, I was operating off of like three hours of sleep because I stayed up too late playing video games the night before I was driving into work. And, um, you know, I just got distracted. There was a, I was driving across a, a bridge over a major highway and there was a dead deer laying on the bridge. And I was like kind of freaking out. Like, how is it? How did a deer get up here? How did somebody hit it? Like, why is it in this place where it's not supposed to be? And I'm looking back at it and I look up and there's a, uh, the lights red. And it was green a split, a split second before, and I just see a car coming across, and I'm going full speed, 55 miles an hour, straight for it, slam on the brakes, throw my wheel as hard to the left as I can, and ended up glancing off the side of the car. And so both the, the, the impact was so, you know, so great that I spun around probably four or five times. That person spun around, got shot off the opposite direction, and nobody got hurt. <laughs> Like, uh, I mean, there was definitely probably some minor, you know, head injury there and whatnot, but nothing, nobody got hurt. And I just, I was confronting life and death and all of those things at that point. And I couldn't figure it out. I, I couldn't figure out like who I was. Uh, I hated myself. I hated myself for what had happened in Malaysia. I'd hated myself for my, my struggles with gender and it was just kind of this, I, I just went on this kind of downward spiral of, you know, trying to find things that would fix me without transitioning. But then I'd say, well, you know, if this is all there is, if this is just, if life is just pain and suffering, then uh, I might as well just deal with this dysphoria through transitioning. And it was just all this black and white, just going between okay there's going to be something is it going to be my wife and i having kids is it us buying a house we were in north carolina at the time i moved to philadelphia is it going to be um is it going to be moving up to philadelphia is it going to be buying a house in philadelphia like one after another none of these things were fixing sort of what was wrong internally um and then eventually it was just well, I've tried everything but the kitchen sink and here's the kitchen sink. Mm. It's transitioning. Mm. And I didn't, I didn't want to, uh, I, 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 you know, at my core, I knew I didn't want to, there was this sort of, you know, urge to do it. Um, this like, Oh man, well, everybody who's transitioning seems like they're having a great time and maybe this will solve all my problems. Which, of course, it's that's not the answer. Neither was buying a house. Neither was having a kid. None of these things were had. None of these things, you know, they were just attacking a symptom, you know, whether it be gender, career, location. They were all just symptoms mm -hmm. of what was kind of going on internally. And they didn't work. The wife left. I, you know, went back and forth. Suddenly the binary became, well, either my wife's going to come home and I can wait it out for her to come home or I'm going to transition. Like it was just, those were the two options. I knew mentally, I, I knew logically that there were more options than that, but emotionally, no, those are the only two, like I was stuck and those were the only two paths I could take. And I, I kind of flipped back and forth between those for a while. And so the last time we talked, 
I was sort of on the, you know, the one side of like, okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to, you know, put my head down, get to work, be a man, make sure, you know, I'm in a good place, get my wife to come home. Um, but <laughs> that didn't last because when you're okay. just, yeah, you know, when you're just in those binary modes and none of those modes are working, it, it just quickly flipped back the other direction. And so your, were you under, what was the state inside of you? Were you under pressure? Were you depressed? Were you anxious? Like, is there, is there a term for the state of your? Yeah, it, it was a uh, constant feeling under, constantly feeling under extreme stress. Okay. Um, depressed, anxious, you know, all of the above. Yeah. 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 Uh, feeling like I needed to figure something out in order to be okay. Yeah. Uh, in order to stop this sort of survival. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so let's walk through then to now. Uh, was there <laughs> another car crash or a similar catastrophe that um, put you on another mode? Uh, or maybe re-examine or confront something inside of you rather than projecting it into outside decisions? No. Um, it... It was just more of a longer process. So in mm. the spring of 2021, I I ended up being like, well, I can't I can't get rid of this dysphoria. It's been crippling. Um, maybe maybe yeah, maybe I it's just maybe I just need to actually try transitioning and like going like uh, doing it socially this time. I didn't do it socially the first time. I had just gone on you know started the medical process. This time I was like, okay, let's see what happens. Let's see how I feel. Let's let's do it. And and honestly, um, yeah, I just I just rolled with it for quite a while. And at that point, I started getting involved in politics a little bit. I'm hmm. in Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia has been kind of uh, hellish in terms of of politics of late. Um, just. Uh, it was, it was a rough place to live as somebody struggling with mental health in oh, uh, during yeah, the COVID yeah. season, yeah. because it just, we had, you know, lockdowns, mask mandates, vaccine mandates, all of these things, um, that I was too. Yeah. We had so, some as well. Unrest, yeah. Yeah. We've had some of that as well. Um, not as bad as in other places, but we've had our, our fair share. Uh, so I got, I started getting involved, um, with the libertarian party and, and specifically the Mises caucus and the libertarian party, uh, mm -hmm. which is sort of the, uh, you know, they're kind of self branded as the, uh, the Ron Paul wing of the uh, libertarian party and just started getting involved there and was doing a lot of things. I'm, uh, I'm down in my basement and over the last cor course, of the last year and a half, I built a, I built a gigantic, well, not gigantic, but a, a decent sized bar in my basement. Um, just built it by hand as uh, once it's something I wanted to do, um, did it myself, had some help from friends. Other than that, it was me. And I was starting to like invite a bunch of people over and wanted them to, you know, wanted the, these new friends that I made to come over. And then suddenly like, Oh, Hey, you, maybe you should get involved. And like you, you seem to be someone who's, uh, you know, you know, willing to kind of help recruit and get, you know, build community and that sort of thing. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Um, and during this time, I actually came out publicly as uh, saying I was transitioning, um, you know, changed my name on Facebook and all of that stuff. And uh, they were great about it. 
you know, one of the things that the Mises caucus gets hit with is they think they're sort of the alt, like the, the, the opponents say that they're the alt right wing, the, the white nationalists, the homophobes, oh, okay. the trans transphobes. And why would it's that got, be? It, is there a conservative element to the policy or the philosophy behind the policy? Uh, they're very anti-woke. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yes. Which makes them yes. Yes. white national racist. supremacists. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And so uh, I was a little bit, you know, I was like, okay, is there anything truth to that? If I come out as trans, is that going to be an issue? And it was absolutely not. They were like, oh, great. You know, we're libertarians. We, you know, some of us might not agree with your decision. Some of us do, but we're here with you. We don't, we don't know how to deal with this any more than you do. So we're going to be right there with you. And so it was a great, it was a great community. And I, you know, I've felt very um, affirmed, encouraged, I got involved uh, when the, the vaccine mandates came here, out here in Philly. I, I built an organization called Don't Tread on Philly, where we were uh, just kind of attacking the mandates and advocating health freedom. And like, hey, you, you can't you can't treat anybody differently based off of a medical decision. Um, and that that kind of blew up. Uh, got, you know, I, I've gotten my own very tiny, tiny, tiny sphere of like influence in the party now um because of that and like a lot of people kept saying you know torin or or at the time audrey you're 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 a rock star like you're amazing like uh the thing, stuff you're doing is awesome and you know they were I, I was at one point you know we were kind of jokingly talking about me running for governor here in pa uh which i actually wasn't eligible for because i hadn't lived here long enough uh then then they were talking about running me for mayor here in Philadelphia. So a lot of interesting stuff. And I'm like, this is, this is great. Like all this stuff is good. And honestly, the transition and all that, if I'm honest, it was helping, it was helping with the symptom. It was helping with the, the feeling of gender dysphoria. It, it felt good. It was exciting. It was thrilling. Um, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely parts of it that I, that I miss um, that I, that it was like, oh gosh, I wish I wish this could have been a real thing. Hmm. Um, but I don't know. This summer, like this summer, I was just really struggling with a lot of things. Just like, okay, so okay, I'm I'm somewhat thriving here. I'm doing okay, but I'm I'm still I still feel this like survival mode that I'm in. Like I still feel like I'm in survival mode. What's what's wrong? And what do I feel about all of this political stuff? You know, I, I decided that I was going to run for mayor, but then I, and it would kind of be cool. Cause it's like, okay, so what, what could I do? I could be the first like uh, trans woman to run as mayor in a major city. And you know, what are the Democrats going to do about that? Because they're going to have to tiptoe around this. The conservatives <laughs> are going to hate it. Who cares? Like uh, it, there was just this, this draw in this sort of, pull for influence and power that I just like, I'm not okay with this. Like something, something's wrong here. Um, am I getting this influence because I decided to transition? Am I getting the influence because of what I've done? You know, do people, you know, if people really knew sort of the internal conflicts that I'm having, you know, would they still, would they still think as much as they do about me or would they shun me? Uh, just very much this sort of imposter syndrome. Hmm. And so, yeah, it, it was just kind of sitting there for a long time. I mean, it was probably, I mean, I think June was probably the height of it. And then, 
you know, it kind of reached sort of a climax at the beginning of, of July. But I mean, that had sat with me for several months. It wasn't just like it started in June. It just had gone for a while of like, yeah, who, who am I? Am I deserving of this praise that I'm getting? Um, you know, I, I got, uh, I got, a, I got an, an award in uh, Reno, Nevada during the LP national convention from, from the Mises caucus itself for building like the best issue coalition um, and with, with my don't tread on Philly thing. And I just felt like, I don't, I don't deserve this. We didn't actually do anything like, hmm. uh, yeah, we just yelled and screamed and, uh, and it's like, I was supposed to go up and do a, um, like give it like a little acceptance speech, but I you know, had lost my phone and I was like really, really baked really high at the time. And it's like, I don't deserve this. Like, why am I giving a speech? Like this just doesn't make sense. I mean, I was just not, I wasn't in a good space mentally. I was thriving more than I had been in the past, but like there was still something at the core that was just, you know, transitioning, transitioning wasn't fixing it. Having this newfound sense of purpose wasn't fixing it. There was mm. still something wrong. Mm -hmm. And I, I was trying to figure out what it was. Mm -hmm. uh, two questions. Well, yeah. I'm going to save one for later. You said uh, there were some things that you miss if transition could be re real for you. You miss it. Is that from the external or internal, the way that people would treat you? uh as a trans woman or the way that you were able to plug into space and other people or the ability to express yourself with more color and saunter yeah i don't know how to describe it i mean i think it's probably a mixture of the two a little bit it's just you know this um you know, with with gender dysphoria in the way I experienced that, I mean, there was just this desire to to present as you know as a woman, as as female, and and present myself that way. And I felt like, and I, I don't know, it's it's kind of weird. Like I, I felt I felt like I was getting to be somebody different. I was getting to be something else. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. All I know is I, I do feel like I do feel a sense of loss, but it's like this sense of loss of where, you know, I'm, I'm also a sports fan. I, I watch a lot of soccer in particular now. It's, I probably watch that more than anything else. And it's like, gosh, you know, I, I wish I was I was a, a great soccer player. Uh, I wish I was born, grew up a great soccer player and, you know, was a star over in Europe or something. And I didn't start playing until I you know, played pickup a bunch of college. And yeah, I'm not really any good. Uh, and so there's a sense of loss with that too. And, but now it's part of me that's like, okay, I don't, I don't view transition as this, like, I don't even view it as much of an option for me anymore, to be honest. Um, I, I, I want to stop thinking in absolutes. So I'm mm -hmm. going to say that, Hey, I, I don't really view it as an option. Of course I can make the choice to do so, but it's, it's kind of the same thing. It's like, gosh, I mean, I really wish I would have been born female as opposed to male, but it is what it is. Like, it, it's just like, okay, I, I, I've gotten to a place where it's not like I view myself as any better or worse off given who I am or who I'm not. I just am who I am, hmm. Hmm. but so, there's still a sense of loss. Yeah. 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 And in June, you said this came to a head with the denial of that award or this another feeling of not deserving 
something. Yeah. yeah. And where did you go from there? Yeah. So, um, I was, uh, I was supposed to go to this event. There's this big, um, big, like first annual, you know, Liberty event, Western Pennsylvania called the whiskey rebellion that some of my friends were throwing. And I was supposed to go there, you know, bring stuff from my organization. We are going to have a lot of good time, you know, a great time. Sure. Drink a lot. Um, I, I was just exhausted. Uh, I was at the time I was actually gathering signatures, to get on the ballot for state representative in my district. And, you know, we were out and, you know, 80, 90 degree days every day, gathering signatures. And I was just tired and mentally exhausted. And I decided not to go. And uh, it was just a bad weekend. I mean, I was just like, you know, binge eating, binge drinking, hmm. just not functioning as a human being. And, you know, one day um, I'm just, I'm recovering from a hangover and I'm, I'm just thinking and it, I just, I'm like, why, why can't I accept these things? You know, people say all these good things about me, but why, why can't I accept it? And I think a lot of it just came down to, for some reason, I hated myself. I hated that I wasn't perfect. I hated, um, you know, I hated that I felt like I needed to transition. I hated, it's just like, I, I had, I don't even know how to get it into it specifically other than I just really freaking hated myself. I didn't love myself at all. I didn't appreciate the things I was gifted with. I didn't appreciate the things that I had done in life that other people were appreciative of. Um, it was just this super, you know, self, you know, it's almost like I was so full of myself that I hated myself. It's like I wasn't this cocky, you know, um, narcissistic asshole. I was almost like, a, you know, the opposite where I was just self. Um, I was just cutting myself off at every turn, which is just, you know, another crazy form of narcissism. Um mm -hmm. And uh, it, it was just making me wonder. I was like, okay, so why, why is why is this the case? I mean, my my ex wife, she she loved something about me. She saw something in me. Like, why why can't I? These all these people are saying good things about me. They they can't all just be lying. Um, and as I'm thinking these things, like something just started to turn, like it just slowly, slowly, slowly started to turn. And I, uh, yeah, I was, I, was, I was walking my dog one day and this is, uh, this is, I think the, the Monday after the 4th of July. So this would have been like July 11th, I guess. Um, I was walking my dog and, and it was a cooler day outside for PA, I was about to rain and I run into this guy who's doing yard work for his daughter in a kind of a different part of my neighborhood than I typically walk my dog. And, uh, he just starts talking to me about my dog. I have a St. Bernard, uh, very distinct. Um, and we just get into this conversation and I, I mentioned something like, well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of tired of all this COVID stuff and, you know, I wish, wish I could work from, from the office cause it's not good for me to be remote for my mental health, but I just, all I said was, I'm really grateful that at least I still have a job and it's going well. And he just kind of looks at me funny. He's like, are you, are you a believer? 
I'm like, wait, what? I'm not in the South. People don't ask me these questions unless I'm in the South. Hmm. He's like, yeah. He's like, grateful, grateful. That's like a, that's like a believer word. Like you believe in Jesus. And I'm like, oh, I, I guess you could say that, you know, I, I still at my core have this belief in, in some form of the Christian gospel and God. I don't know what it, I don't know where I am at this point in terms of how that actually relates to the real world. Hmm. But yeah, you could say I'm grateful. Um, and then the next day I was, uh, taking, I was actually taking my dog to the, the vet. He had to get his teeth cleaned. And, um, one of my favorite bands growing up was, uh, Anne Berlin. Um, they're, uh, I don't, they're, they're a rock band, a, a mid to late two thousands rock band. I don't really know how to describe them, but they, uh, they, I mean, their lead singer is a Christian They're They wouldn't be a Christian band, but their lead singer is a Christian. He weaves some of his spirituality in his lyrics and they released a new song recently called circles where the whole thing was saying, you know, I've been running into circles. I've been running into circles to find myself. Um, you know, I lost myself trying to find myself and it was just this whole thing. And, uh, there was this beautiful, beautiful verse uh, I think it was the second verse where he just says, you know, there's, there's a world of enchantment. If I just close my eyes, you know, I was, I was basically, we were walking in the garden, the greater spirit and I, and then he, then he told me, I, I'm not hitting it. I'm not hitting it perfectly right here, but then he said, then he told me without any words, like you've got everything you need, like everything that you could possibly want. You already have. And I'm starting to think about that. I'm like, I think, I think that's right. I think, you know, Stephen Christian, the lead singer for Anne Berlin, he's, I think he's, he's telling me, he's like, here's, here's God telling me, you've got everything you need. You know, you've been blessed with a great job. You've been blessed. You, you own your house. You've gone through all of this hell, all of these mental health issues. And yet you own your house. You have a job that you're respected at. You're, you're active politically. You're highly respected there. You've got all of this stuff going for you. Why do you hate yourself? Like you've been blessed. You have been blessed in this life. Like, yeah. You hurt. Yes, there are things that hurt. Yes, there are things that you are struggling with. There are things about this life. There is suffering. This isn't utopia. This isn't paradise. This isn't heaven. You're living on earth as, you know, in an individual in a broken world, but you're blessed. And it, it just hit me. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I am. I'm blessed. I... Why do I hate myself? There's no need to like, I'm thank it's, it went from, instead of being this hateful, this narcissistic hate for myself, it didn't go to this love fest of like, Oh, I'm the greatest in the world. It, it went to this just gratitude hmm. of gosh, I'm, I'm thankful. Um, thankful for what I have. Thankful for my experiences. Thankful for my friends, my job, my work. Thankful for just, being gifted with the things I've been gifted with. Um, and to me, it was like, Oh wait, if this is the case, I don't, I don't need anything else. I don't need to try to be something I'm not. I don't need to transition anymore. Like I'm fulfilled. I feel whole right now as mm -hmm. me, because I'm fine. I finally have this like true gratitude for life and, mm -hmm. Um, you know, whatever God, the universe, whatever has for me, I'm, I'm grateful for. Hmm. 
And I'm just happy to just truly be alive and be a contributing member to society. I don't, I don't think I need a transition. Um, and so I made up my mind kind of that day, this was a Tuesday. Uh, I made up my mind, you know what? I'm not going to do it. Uh, I just don't need to, but I didn't, I actually didn't tell anybody. I just sat on it. I, I just said, you know what? This is what I'm thinking. Um, uh, I'm just going to sit on it for a little bit, see what comes out of it. Uh, I don't, I don't want to rush into conclusions. I've been stuck in this sort of binary, um, it's binary mode of thinking. I don't want this to just be the next swing of the pendulum. Hmm. I want to see if this is real. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of what I did for a few more days. And those were rough days. It was like, it was a battle back and forth of, okay, this is the new stuff that I see. I believe this, but gosh, you know, it felt so good to have this symptom of gender dysphoria relieved the way I was relieving it. Um, so maybe, maybe I should, stick with that you know maybe that's still the option um yeah i just i ended up needing needing something a little bit more to help kind of hit the hit the point home i think hmm. that's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was uh yeah it was an interesting it was an interesting week or so experience and then uh then yeah i i was having uh uh, a, a good friend of mine involved with the, the party was going through some rough stuff himself. And um, I had actually been introduced to uh, psychedelics through the party. And I had done some last fall, I had done some, um, you know, clinical ketamine treatments uh, through an online source and it helped. Um, I think it was a little bit too expensive and not enough you wasn't getting enough out of it to continue it. Um, but I was like, okay, you know, I think psychedelics could be, there could be something to this. Um, and, and I've had some friends, you know, in the party that had some really, you know, profound experiences, particularly with, with mushrooms and other things that uh, literally saved their lives. Hmm. And, I was like, okay, maybe, maybe this is an option. So I, I had, you know, dabbled and experimented a little bit over the course of the spring and um, didn't seem to really get anywhere. But I, I, I decided like my buddy was having a hard time. He decided that he was going to give it a shot. I said, okay, I'll drive out to where you are. We'll hang out on your property. We'll, we'll do a little bit of a, you know, a, a joint, a joint therapy session where we, I mean, we treated it like with respect, with like it was therapy you know i prepared all day for this this wasn't just oh we're gonna go have a good time Hmm. um and yeah i took this uh you know we both we both took the uh took the mushrooms and i i was just uh it it was kind of funny i i was it's the weirdest thing i i had actually picked up my guitar and was writing music earlier that day for the first time in a long time. And I had recorded some of it and I, it was on my mushroom trip and I was just listening. Um, I was listening to the recording and you know, you get this kind of ego death on, on psychedelics and you kind of end up disconnecting from disconnecting from your sense of just being stuck sort of in your own mind and you feel more connected to everything else. And, here I am like listening to myself sing and I'm just like, gosh, I'm happy. 
I'm really, really happy. I'm really, really joyful. Like I'm listening to this. This is cool. Like I actually made something creative here that I'm proud of. Like, this is good. And then, and then the, the rest of the night, I just feel myself start connecting. You know, I, I've, I've mentioned like 10 years have gone by since I felt alive. Like I, I started feeling connected to that part of me that was, was live 10 years ago. Hmm. And I just felt started just feeling reconnected to, to myself really. Um, as I was coming down off the trip, it was like, it went from that ego death and like disconnected to starting to feel connected to myself. And I'm just like, you know what? I, I actually, I actually do really love my life. I, I love what I'm involved in. I'm loved. I love what I'm doing. I love, I, I, I truly am blessed. It went from this sort of like head knowledge that I had gained a few days earlier mm-hmm to actually sort of experiencing it at a, at an emotional and um, spiritual level. Mm -hmm. And as I, as I'm kind of coming out and just, you know, sort of sobering up it, it was just like, Oh, I know, I know, I know who I am. I'm, I, I'm proud of myself as Torin. I'm proud of myself as a man. Um, Yeah. I have, I have, uh, you know, I have these desires and these things that crop up of me wanting to transition and, and live life as a woman, but okay. I also, at that time I had a crazy, crazy desire to eat like a 10 pound steak at that time too. And I'm just like, okay, I actually don't have to eat. I have this craving, but I don't, I actually don't want to eat the steak right now. I want to just stay where I'm at. I can choose not to go find a 10 pound steak, which I'm not going to find anywhere, but it was the same sort of concept with, with gender and potentially transitioning where it's just like, okay, I want this. I don't need it. It just hmm. is what it is. Hmm. Um, and I just felt so confident at that time that I could just, you know, run, run through a wall. Did you? Um, so it, uh, no. Okay. <laughs> Another craving that you denied yourself. <laughs> yes, I did. I did. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, I, I got hit in the head enough playing football growing up. I don't need any more uh, brain injuries. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, it, it just completely and utterly changed uh, my outlook. Okay. Uh, because whatever, you know, whatever, um, You know, one of the things I think psych- they talk about with psychedelics and the researchers will tell you is it, is it increases your neuro- neuroplasticity. So, you know, by the time you're like 25, 30, it's like some of your ways and your habits, I mean, they're ingrained. It's almost like it's almost like a clay. It's almost like your brain is, is, is clay and you've got your, your neuro pathways are sort of like baked and established. And, and, you know, you see something, you have a thought, you have an idea and it, it's a trigger and you go straight down that path. Hmm. And so, I mean, obviously something like uh, cognitive behavioral therapy is something that's, you know, meant to kind of combat that. I think in my case, um, I just didn't have like the attention span or the dedication to like use CBT to try to veer off into a different pathway. And so what the psychedelics do is they they sort of take that hardened clay and soften it. Um, and so... Basically, if you're just taking something like mushrooms to screw around, you're not going to, nothing's going to change for you. It's not like you're necessarily going to, 
you know, suddenly become a better person because you're taking mushrooms. It's like, there's, there's an intentional aspect to this. Mm-hmm. It softens the clay. It doesn't get rid of the pathways. It softens them so that once, you know, when you're on the backside of the journey, you're able to, you know, you start going up down a pathway, you're able to choose, you're able to stop and choose to go okay. some other direction. If you're attentive. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, there's a great uh, um, documentary on Netflix right now called How to Change Your Mind uh, that oh. goes, that's going, walking through psychedelics and the, and the possibilities of them. And the second one is on psilocybin, on, on mushrooms. Um, and they're working with a guy who has OCD. And just having you know, done plenty of research and, and, and you know, listened to a lot of people struggling with gender dysphoria and something, OCD tends to be a fellow traveler uh pretty heavily Mm -hmm. um and one of this thing these things this guy said was like okay so every day after my mushroom trip uh with his he said it was the best day of my ocd in in like 20 years every day after that was the best day i had and he said what he noticed over time was that you know he'd feel these compulsions he'd feel these urges to to do whatever he would do but then he'd be able to stop and think, wait, I don't need to do that. Eventually to the point where it came about where he just wasn't feeling those urges very often at all. And when they came up, he could just kind of swat it away. Like, mm. I don't need to do this. Okay. And I've, yeah, I've, I've very much have felt um, the same way. Whereas like every day since it's been like, okay, here's this sort of urge to want to transition Hold on. I, I don't need to like, hmm. I'm, I'm very, I'm fine. Thank you. I'm happy here. Like okay. I'm joyful. And what's opened up to you uh, when you don't have that spiral going on? Like, do you have more energy or oh, are you man. watching yourself grow creatively or in other ways? Oh, geez. I, you know, it would take me, say I wanted to cook dinner. Uh, I'd have a recipe in front of me that take me 20 minutes. I'd have to set aside two hours to do it because it's like, I've got a, I've got to cook and then mentally I'm exhausted. I got to go lay down, try to recover. I'm just drained. I'm done. And now it's like, I have, what I'm finding is, is yeah, my sort of, you know, primary energy reserves have, have sort of, they have atrophied over time. Uh, but I have, I have like a whole backup energy where it's just like, oh, I can kind of tap into this. Like I'm tired, but I can keep going. I can persevere. I've got, you know, I'm not completely drained. I'm not completely exhausted. And so now I'm finding myself, oh, I got to go cook dinner. Well, I'm going to cook dinner. And as I cook dinner, I'm going to clean the dishes. And, and then as soon as I'm done, I'll have all the dishes cleaned and then I can sit down and eat. I can clean up after myself there. And so what was happening is like, oh, I can actually cook my own meals consistently. I can get healthier as opposed to when I'd cook for that 20 minutes, be exhausted. Then the pots and pans would sit in the kitchen sink. They'd pile up. And then the next day when I'd have to go and cook, I just order junk food because there were dishes to be done. I was too tired to do them. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. So it's just, yeah, it's opened up everything. It's, it's the basic just functioning of life. Um, 
yeah, creatively I've, uh, you know, my entire house, I've been sort of rehabbing. I'm like back at that. I'm, I'm back at rehabbing my house and doing things with that, uh, writing a lot more. I'm reading again, like constantly reading books. Um, currently reading the divine conspiracy by Dallas Willard. Um, and then also reading the, uh, the coddling of the American mind, uh, by hate and Lukanoff and, like I'm, I'm actually able to sit down and read and not just be distracted and get tired. It's, okay. it's kind of amazing. Huh. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And when did you start this podcast that you've been doing? Oh yeah, that too. I, I started a podcast. Um, I started a podcast uh, shortly after um, it was actually the night of the, the one large you know trip that I had that I said, you know what, I'm going to start a podcast for my organization. Hmm. I had had the idea in the past to do it. So I bought equipment, you know, I bought a microphone, a mixer, a a decent webcam and that sort of thing. And I I just never did it because I was looking for, I was looking for somebody else to come in and say, Hey, I want it. Or we need another podcast. There aren't enough out there. (laughs) There Uh, are never enough. They're they're like herpes. Like everybody needs to have them. And, and again, I was still looking for like some sort of external validation, like, Hey, somebody tell me I need to do this. Yeah. And suddenly that was that night. I was like, Oh, I don't need it. I don't need to do this. I, I want my organization, you know, now there's no mandate. So it's like, okay, so what am I going to do with don't tread on Philly? Okay. I want to promote, I want to promote cultural, you know, freedom, cultural liberty, cultural sovereignty here in the city of Philadelphia, you know, sort of fight back against this, these false dialectics that are, that are pervasive, that pit, you know, they pit left versus right. They pit the individual versus the community. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. saying, no, there's this whole idea of, of sovereignty. Like there's like we as individuals, and this is the whole thing in the Dallas Willard book, where we as individuals were, were created with with our own sphere of influence you know we we are i mean if you believe the christian tradition we're created in god's image meant to be creators meant to be rulers meant to be dominions kings and queens of our own tiny 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 little sphere of influence mm-hmm. and the healthy aspect the way to be you know a healthy sovereign a healthy ruler of your own sovereign sphere is to take care of yourself, take care of your body, take care of your mind, your soul. But also, you know, health is respecting and taking care of the other sovereigns around you. So there's no there's no way to be a strong sovereign individual without also being a part of community. Like these two things aren't at odds. Okay. Yeah. Um and so my whole thing with don't tread on Philly is kind of trying to subvert these, these narratives and just say like, no, this isn't okay. all collectivist. This yeah. isn't all, all radical individualist. Yeah. Yes. I'm an individualist. Yes. I'm a libertarian. Yes. I, 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 I don't really believe in, in government as a solution, <laughs> but that doesn't mean I don't care about my community. That doesn't mean I want, don't want to build up those around me. That doesn't mean I don't want to serve them that I don't want to, to foster a better city uh, and a better collective um, yeah. for lack of a better word. Yeah. And so I just said, okay, nobody's doing this in Philly. Uh, the Liberty space is pretty quiet here in Philly, which is really sad considering <laughs> it's well, the Philadelphia. bell is broken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The bell is symbolically broken. Let's just put it that way. Uh, so I said, you know what? I'll start a podcast. 
I'll, yeah. I'll start ranting about some things. I'll start interviewing um, candidates for office. Um, and that's not it. It's not purely political. I've had a comedian on recently. Uh, my friend, my friend Adam Nutter, was on recently. We had a great, great uh, cultural discussion on on sports and um, hmm. sports, uh, trans kids, like all of that stuff. We were yeah, yeah. we had some great discussions. Um, had a friend of mine, Jacob Winograd, on who does a, a biblical anarchy podcast. And we were talking about uh, Christianity and anarchy. Hmm. Um, it was a, it was a lot of fun. And now, uh, since it's coming into election season, I'm interviewing Libertarian Party candidates. So I just okay. had our, uh, I just had our uh, our, gov- our lieutenant governor candidate on. Um, shortly after this, I'm going to be interviewing our U.S. Senate candidate. And then I have U.S. congressional candidates, state senates, uh, state uh, general assembly. I've got like seven or eight interviews lined up for the next month. So now that you're projecting your voice out into the world, uh, I guess you were doing that already. Like politics is uh, speaking up in the very basic sense. And it's also voting, which is a form of speech. It's all about speech and having uh, going through a transition of feeling like an imposter. You're already speaking out and standing up and you have charisma and charm enough for people to want to be around you and celebrate you and, and recognize you on that level. I'm just wondering about the relationship between you and your voice and and seeing what's possible when you speak and the relationship between you and that and owning that and being grateful for that and also enjoying that or loving it or yeah uh there let's just put it this way i don't think uh, for a while there was a relationship between myself and my voice it was you know my voice was sort of the logical you know it was sort of the just the logical overflowings of my mind and it was just like, okay, I can do this, so I'm doing it. I don't really feel connected to it. Okay. I don't know if this is me. Uh, I'm just trying to find my way, and this is just this is just the next thing that might save me. Okay. Um, and now it's it's flipped to where it's like, wait, no, like I know who I am. I, I. You know, there's still things that I I want to like improve on in life. Like I mm-hmm. I want to continue to eat healthier. I want to build better habits. You know, I I want to be more thoughtful and caring for people that I disagree with. Um, but like, it's like I found myself again, and so now my voice isn't just this sort of logical outpouring, and now mm-hmm. it's just this like. I feel like it's me speaking okay. out. Yeah. It's, it really is me. It's coming from the heart. It's, it's, it's like, this is, this is me. And I, I'm blessed to be me and I wouldn't change it. You know, sure. You know, in the fantasy land, if I could go be a soccer player, I mean, I'd probably take that a hundred times out of a hundred. <laughs> you know, if I could live life as a woman, I'd probably take it a hundred times out of a hundred. <laughs> but it's just not reality. And yeah. at the end of the day, okay, I guess I like reality just enough <laughs> and just fine. And 
you know, there are things that I don't like about reality. There's things I'm frustrated by and I have a voice that I can use to try to influence that. Yeah. Okay. There's uh, I don't know terribly that much about libertarian philosophy, but I know that there's a uh, strong fundamental value of property and I'm just uh, thinking poetically here, just associating, but just listening to your journey of owning yourself, right. And being disconnected from this property of you. And also with the term of property, it does have this kind of individualistic disconnected Mm -hmm. cut of the earth out. That's with a lot of borders and boundaries. And I'm wondering if the concept of sovereignty uh, is, is that next step or allows that, that ownership to actually find fellowship or yeah. something along the lines. It's not really a question. It's just kind of like a shotgun. Yeah. Me trying to explore your ideas and why libertarianism is what engages you. Yeah. And, and I don't, it's like, yeah, I don't know, you know, I, I don't even know if I'd call my, necessarily call myself a libertarian. I guess I, I just, it's just a label, but yeah. it, it's like, it is this whole idea of, of self-ownership. And being able to take responsibility for myself, to be try to be self-sufficient, try to treat myself with respect. But also, you know, as I'm able to do that, I'm able to go out and actually help others more. You know, because if I'm all caught up in the in the garbage that I've been caught up in the last couple of years, just the black and white spiral. Yeah. I'm not. I can't contribute to the better of the people around me outside of things that just barely benefit myself just enough to keep me going. Like now I'm in this space where like, okay, I can actually think logically about, you know, the problems that we're facing. Uh, It's, I I did a whole podcast where kind of one of the main like things that, that ran through it was, uh, was inner tyranny and your inner tyrant and like the chains that you put on yourself And I was talking about the Shawshank Redemption and talking about how, you know, Andy Dufresne wasn't free the minute he came out of the sewage pipe. He was free pretty much the minute that he walked into the prison. You could see it in his mind and how he he was free internally. His externally, he was covered in chains. He was brought down, but he had this freedom to be himself even in that prison. You know, he had the freedom, he had the freedom to play, you know, Mozart in his mind, Bach in his mind. He had the freedom to say, you know what, I'm stuck in this, I'm stuck in the cell, but I, I enjoy rocks. I'm going to carve some chess pieces. You know, he didn't start out saying, oh, I'm going to go get a rock hammer and dig through the wall. He said, no, I'm just going to be me. I'm going to be free. I'm mm. going to exercise my sovereignty where I can exercise it. And the next thing you know, one night, you know, you at the in the final scenes, you see him, you know, chipping away at the wall, and suddenly a big chunk falls. And because he's already free, he he's able to think, oh wow, I might have something here. And he spends, you know, the next two decades digging through. And the and it wasn't just about him either. You see, in the process, he he also helped set Red free. You know, because, it, you know, if Red Red was becoming institutionalized, 
he was he was the chains and his external bondage were affecting him so much internally that he was starting to identify it with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what happened with Brooks. But then you see in the final dramatic scenes where Red just says, no, I'm, I'm going to go to say Wataneo. I mean, that that was like the crowning moment of of Andy's work is that he was free. He helped influence Red, helped set Red free. He be, like Andy became physically free himself. Red became sort of mentally, spiritually free. And then you get this beautiful moment at the end where they're just embracing on the beach. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this whole sovereignty thing, it isn't it isn't just about me. It isn't like, oh, you know, stay off my my property. It isn't, you know, I'm going to like I could go to Alaska, buy 500 acres, have nobody bothering me, but I could still be in bondage in my own mind. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's this whole thing of like, I, I want to be free internally and, and mentally, emotionally, spiritually, so that I can be a benefit, um, to the people around me, whatever my circumstances are. Um, yeah. it, you know, I, it, it's like, I don't, the, the city of Philadelphia could be telling me I need a, you know, 20th booster shot in order to leave my house. Jesus. But you know, it's like. If I'm free internally, then I can I can figure out a way around that. If okay. I'm not free internally, then I'm just complaining. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, please spare me. Please okay. help me. Yeah. Yeah. But if I'm free internally, it doesn't matter. It's like they can't touch my freedom. Yeah. Okay. Okay. There's a lot that you're bringing up that's yeah. uh, wonderful. Um, I, with regard to uh, the, the Blue Empire and the Red Empire or the Blue State, yeah. Red State or the <laughs> libs and the cons or whatever they are, it was interesting. There's this, this tiny little moment earlier in our conversation when you were talking about, I can't remember which issue it was, about your transition and how yeah. the libertarians would think and the Democrats would be uh, muffled and then the conservatives, who cares about them? <laughs> There's this subtle... Uh, uh, disdain um, towards the blues. Or, wait, no, reds. Okay, so uh, for whatever reason, those colors always screw me up because the reds are commies, <laughs> but they're actually blues. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so but there's a certain kind of disdain for the conservatives that's kind of almost stronger than towards the liberals, even though the liberals have all this power and they're cramming down all this wokeness and all these mandates and they're the sovereign, uh, the t- tyrannical sovereign in a certain way, but the conservatives... It seems like they're like, you guys don't get it or something. I'm just wondering, like, the attitude towards that or more positively speaking, like, what is the conservative base? What do they get wrong? And how can a message that's a little bit different, a little bit uh, that can can refresh them? Where are they stuck? How do you think yeah. the libertarian um, ethos um, can work with that to make actual change? Yeah. Well, I think it comes back to the whole, you know, um, trying to subvert the individual versus the collective. Um, and it's it's easy to see, like, in terms of my disdain for the right and the st- disdain for the red side, the red team, it's because I grew up conservative. I grew up very fundamentally conservative. And I, 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 I man, I, I wanted to impose my views and my, my, my morality on people. You okay. know, I wanted to impose, you know, yeah, being gay is bad. Being trans is bad. These things. And all the while I'm dealing with my own garbage. Um, and I see, you know, a lot of a lot of the issues that are going on in society, whether you have the, 
the issues with young children in schools and the messages that are being taught these days, you know, the conservatives aren't wrong to be, um, to be upset about that yet. I don't think they're handling it well at all. It's just, you know, they're screeching, Oh, well, well, you can't change your sex. Well, I'm like, well, I'm not saying that you can change your sex. Oh, you can't change this. You'll never be that. And like, even for me as someone who's, who's struggled with these things, I'm not sitting here saying, oh, I'll never be that. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, I can be that. I'm not like, I think a lot of people who are struggling with say gender dysphoria are, it is a gen, gen, it is a, a, a genuine struggle. It's not this oh, people are just choosing and trying to be hedonistic. Like for me, it, it was, and let me point out, there's plenty of people that are choosing to just be hedonistic with the whole thing. But mm-hmm. for a lot of people, it's, it is a struggle. Like I, I was just trying to f- throw anything I can at it to fix it. And, and, in, and so there's, you know, the moralism the left, it, wasn't yeah. helping you coming yeah, from the, the right. moralism doesn't help at all. Okay. And so, like, I'm looking, I'm looking for a third option, and yeah, it, it yeah. kind of fits. You know, I think this is this is even like a false. Uh, I mean, it wouldn't be a. I don't know if it'd be a dialectic, a trialectic, Duh, but it's like like yeah. you add in, add in a third thing here with Man. libertarianism. It it just be another false uh, false pathway. Okay. Um, yeah. But I think I but you think can use it as a vehicle yeah. in order to manipulate or not manipulate in a negative sense, but to reframe the conversation. You can use that yeah. third thing to kind of uh, shift positions and in the yeah. shifting of positions rather than having this third option in that in that yeah. uh, entering into a dialectic or that dialectic, yeah. breaking up, m- yep. making things a little bit more clear for people, giving yeah. people more room to think through things because they're stuck in their pathways of political yeah fighting yeah yep so like what if you know particularly with the with gender issues in general like what if we could somehow change the narrative from oh my gosh it's the most wonderful thing in the world we need to affirm we Mm. need to this will save lives yeah this will save lives versus this oh this is an abomination no, it's just a fact of life. You know, whether you're a Christian or you're an atheist, like there's there's place in the, those worldviews for suffering. And there's places in any worldview for just something going wrong, for somebody having a desire or a strong impulse or something that, you know, sometimes it's their fault. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's natural. Sometimes it's not. It, it just but it, it, it is. It still exists. And you have to deal with it as the suffering that it is and not, you know, not jump to one conclusion or another. Yeah. yeah. So-called politicize it in a way, turn it into a meme that you're either for or against kind of thing. So it's like, Hmm. you know, I I think you could read something like the, uh, you know, I've read, I've, well, I listened on audiobook like Deborah So's book, The End of Gender. And I thought it was fantastic. And, and just talking about how nobody's really studying this. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, like what I wanted as I, I did want some answers. I wanted somebody to tell me what to do. I wanted mm-hmm. somebody to tell me, mm-hmm. I wanted a, a psychiatrist to tell me, yes, you should transition, which none of them did. None of anybody that I talked to told me I should. 
Um, some thought that my thinking on it was fine and would still probably say they think it was fine, but nobody told me I should do it. You know, then I wanted a pastor or a pastor to tell me, Oh, we're going to get your wife to come home. And Hmm. like, I wanted somebody to make the choice for me. Okay. When in reality, like that's the choice of whether or not the transition is, is in my sovereign sphere. I have to make that choice. Nobody else can make that choice. Okay. So what can we do? Hmm. What can we do to, you know, subvert this left or right narrative and give people the tools and the ability to actually make that choice in an informed model? Yeah. Yeah. You know, with wisdom, they, yeah. with actual conform informed consent. Actual informed consent, because the model that's being given as informed consent now isn't. It's just like, oh, uh, hey, this is going to make you feel good. You might have some problems, but here, just sign this and we'll give you whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's not informed consent. Informed consent is is actually working through working through the the issues, working through the things. And if you come to a point where that Mm. is your only option, then it's like, okay, go for it. But I happen I'm now at a place where I happen to believe that, hey, there are other options. And I'm not going to judge anyone for choosing an option that I no longer feel is right for me. Yeah. However, I, I'd love to see people get to a place that I did where I finally believed, oh, there's another option here. Like there's another way for me to, to, to deal with this in a healthy manner where I can, I can recognize, hey, this is this for some reason, this desire is here. It's here because of maybe a myriad of reasons. But it's, that's all it is, is a desire. And I'm a human. And part of my sovereignty can be having self-control. And part of that can be um, choosing a different way. And at this point, realizing that, hey, I'm actually thriving without this. Mm. So why throw this into things? It's just going to kind of mess things up even more, likely. Um, so, like, yeah, I'd, I'd want to see other options. I'd, I'd want to see... You know, it's like I've got connections with I've got connections with the the psychedelic community. Obviously, I've been, you know, talking to you. I've talked to other people on online forums in the in the more gender critical space. And it's like, well, okay, so what if what if this was an option? Uh, You know, what if what if instead of saying, oh, your only options are to grin and bear it or start taking cross sex hormones? You know, what if you could explore it with something yeah. like psychedelic therapy? What if there's a therapeutic um, model? Yeah. yeah. What yeah. if there's way something that's more therapeutic that works that isn't conversion therapy? Um, mm-hmm. So that's those mm-hmm. are the kinds of things that I want to explore. And in terms of your back to your original libertarianism question, I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of how I'm approaching everything. You know, is libertarianism is the politics of libertarianism? Is that the answer? I don't know. I mean, I, I tend to end up thinking it's just the best option we have in this kind of fallen, broken world. Yeah. Um, I followed sort of the uh, the Michael Malice, uh, Murray Rothbard sort of p- uh, path of things. But is it is it the end? Is, is it the end all be all? Is that our North Star? What was she going for? I don't know. It's kind of guiding me at this time in my yeah. life. But I think there are some core principles here that regardless of it, whether or not it's the ultimate North Star, I think there's some core principles you can apply. And that's that's looking for the other options or let's let's try to get to the actual root cause. Like what what are people looking for? What was I looking for 
when I wanted to live as the opposite sex? You know, what was I really looking for? Well, I hated myself. I was, I was looking to escape from myself. I was looking for some sort of love or external validation. I, you know, I was looking for anything but just loving myself as I am right now. You know, get, you know, can, can people transition and still, you know, answer all of those questions and, and live happy, productive lives? Sure. I mean, I, I know people who have transitioned that are, that are doing wonderfully. But I mean, you can look at, you know, all of the people that that have transitioned, um, that have detransitioned, people that were looking for an answer to solve a problem that transitioning can't solve. <laughs> it can treat a symptom. Um, and maybe treating that symptom really opens up a world of things to you. Uh, and if it does, then great. It was opening up a world of things to me but it wasn't solving my deeper issues. Yeah, and yeah. then not that my deeper issues are solved, but I've got the tools to deal with them right now. Okay. Finally again. Yeah. And yeah. so I don't, I don't, I just don't need the transition uh, to get slightly theological. And I think we've already covered this, but um, I'm just wondering about this needing for external validation and then kind of being turned toward through gratitude accepting yourself and loving yourself and, and appreciating everything that you've been given. I'm wondering if the concept of God or the orientation toward God allows you to not look towards this plane for external validation, but, but kind of stand in the light or something. Is there a, is there something above you that allows you to accept you and then plug back into the world. I'm just, I'm asking that, especially in the context of looking for external yeah. validation and no longer needing that. Yeah, that's an interesting question because it is something that I've thought about. I mean, I think actually it's been a process over the last month or so of me getting more in touch with my spirituality and, and going back to sort of my, my Christian faith. It, it looks different these days than it did in the past. Um, but I sense, you know, in a spiritual, spiritual sense that God, God is just with me. Hmm. Um, and, but not like an authoritarian like that, God, not like yeah, God is yeah, no. the one who's now telling you what's good and bad so much as not, allowing not you to make up your mind yourself or. Yeah. Not so much. Just, just sort of with me, guiding me, hmm. uh, helping me along, uh, more in a, um, more in a close friend or mentor relationship where it's like, like I view his acceptance of me as a given and not that that it's like, that doesn't say, okay, I'm going to go do whatever the heck I want. You know? Yeah. I, I could view his acceptance of me as a given and therefore I'm going to transition. It's been like, okay, well, no, this, this acceptance of me is like, it's just a given and I'm blessed. Like he created me as he created me, gave me the skills that he gave me. Like this was his blessing upon my life. And so if that's the case, you know, I, I want to live it out the, in the most healthy way that I can, you know, I want to be the best me. I want to be the best. Um, I want to serve others the best way I can. I want to help them grow, be set free internally, whether that's through religion or not. Um, 
it's it's not this like oh i'm searching for validation it's it's like no god validated me just by creating me <laughs> you know he <laughs> it's like he gave me all the validation i needed just by allowing, allowing me to have life mm-hmm. um and therefore i can i can move through things with a with a clearer you know clearer head <laughs> so you brought up your your roster on your podcast you, you have a bunch of guests lined up let's plug your your yeah. podcast let's make it stand out from the herd um yeah uh how so uh what do you want me to plug about do you want to plug let, the roster like what what's different about put, it what's put the, uh, yeah. put the put the name say yeah, say yeah. the name uh your schedule yeah. uh your yeah. basic theme like what what Sweet. you're what you're exploring and yeah so it's the uh it's the Don't Tread On podcast um, or DTO podcast uh, done by Don't Tread On Philly. If you go, uh, uh, you search on YouTube, it's Don't Tread On Philly. Um, on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, if you just search DTO podcast, you'll be able to find it. And yeah, the central theme is just uh, is just liberty, freedom. Hmm. Um, I want to. In the long run, I want to be co- covering a lot of you know cultural topics. Like as I said, I had. I've had a comedian on. I had a guy who's more theologically bent. Um, this week, I'm going to be having talking with somebody from uh, uh, the Children's Health Defense Organization here in Pennsylvania, and we're mm-hmm. going to be talking some of the math, mask mandates here in schools. Mm. Uh, so, really, I want to touch on a lot of things. You know, yeah. I have uh, I have a couple of uh, gay friends in my in my network that are have been staunchly against everything that's been going around going long. So, I'd like, I'd love to talk about them. Like, what are where their what are their perspectives as a as a gay individual who tends to lean more conservative and that sort of thing? And um, yeah, just really want to ta- tackle culture in all ways and and culture includes you know includes politics and right mm-hmm. now sort of the cultural thing we've got governor races here in pennsylvania you we have a u.s senate seat up and i'm heavily involved with uh, the libertarian party a lot of these people i'm bringing on them are, are my friends so i want to bring them on and showcase what they're doing and hopefully give them a voice um hmm. yeah so it's it's really just uh it's a variety of things you know over the next couple of months it's going to be like if you want to get a taste of libertarian politics i would say you know yeah watch my uh, watch my podcast every uh monday and thursdays i do i do oh. live streams typically cool um yeah. with some rantings watch- then so you yeah, interview yeah. And, and then you also rant yeah i do uh i ranted <laughs> on the dropping uh one of my uh more infamous rants now was uh i ranted on the dropping of the atomic bomb um was it uh june or august 6th was the uh, nagasaki yeah yeah, Hiroshima. Uh, yeah, uh, August sixth was uh, the seventy seventh anniversary of Hiroshima, um, and then ninth. The ninth was the seventy seventh of Nagasaki, and uh, the LP had said something about you know, you know, under no, no circumstances is killing the killing of innocent civilians okay. And uh, one of the things that got me angry with conservatives was so many people just saying, "Well, the Japanese were so bad." It justified it. I said, well, okay, I can I can grant you the argument that I can respect your argument if if you're saying that there was no other option, I can respect your argument. I'm going to disagree with you. But I just had a lot of people just like gleefully like Mm. they deserved it. Mm -hmm. When does when does, you know, the lucky kids, the lucky kids were the ones who were vaporized instantly. 
what about the babies that were a mile or two away from that vaporization zone that grew up the rest of their life with health health problems? This is this is a problem. Okay, if it's if it's the only if it was the last thing to do and the only thing you could do if you did everything but the kitchen sink and that was the kitchen sink. Hmm. We can have that argument. I'm going to disagree, <laughs> but hmm. if you're going to gleefully go on about, you know, dropping bombs on heathens, uh, then, yeah, we're going to disagree a little bit. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I went on that rant. Uh, so, yeah, you can come in. You can hear my my ramblings of a you know, sort of a traveling, <laughs> ever evolving uh, you know, person in the political space. You know, right now, I'd probably. Uh, I'd probably identify along the lines of like a Michael Malice uh, free market anarchist without qualifications. Like I'm definitely not like an I'm not like an anti Antifa anarchist. I'm more of like a free markets and people, you know, um, people being free and sovereign and taking responsibility and also being responsible for their communities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you can, yeah, it'd be a great place to just kind of get exposed to some of those thoughts, um, especially as I have candidates on. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I had our lieutenant governor candidate. There are things I agree with him on, things that I don't. But it was a great conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just an excellent conversation. There was a uh, there's an Amish farm here in uh, PA that is getting attacked by the USDA. Uh, they they're holding like three hundred thousand dollar fines over his head and threatening to throw him in jail because he won't install the hundreds of thousands of dollars equipment and pay a USDA inspector to come in and inspect his meat. When all he says is I'm just growing my food the way God intended. And so he operates this private club um, Mm -hmm. to, Mm -hmm. to, you know, uh, sell his meats and the USDA wants their cut of it and they want him to use their fertilizers that aren't, you know, (laughs) that are kind of proving to not be good. So like he, uh, the lieutenant governor candidate is a, uh, he's a small independent farmer as well. And so, and he's the next county over from these guys. So he was all fired up about it. We yeah. talked about, uh, we talked about the the farm situation there for about 20 That's really years. interesting. Amish going their own way uh, can only go so far because the USDA is like, a, yeah. if they're not politically involved, how can they have any say? So they need other people that are plugged yeah. into the process to speak on their behalf. It's an interesting gamble that they have going. Well, that's, that's a great, I mean, I think that's a great illustration of, you know, what I believe from a political standpoint and why I'm not just a staunch, I mean, I am an individualist, but that doesn't mean I don't believe in community. Like, okay, here's a group that really, because they don't have the influence politically, they don't have the representation. They need somebody standing up for them. And I, as a free individual am free to go stand up for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe get some and, d- discount uh, ten inch steaks. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> that, that's uh, your game plan all along. Well, if I stand up for the, I'll finally get that freaking steak, and then run through a wall. It's all um, a grift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the great uh, grifting uh, discourse is. Uh, oh I, yeah. I just assume everybody's a grifter and just just accept it. We're all grifters. It doesn't. Really we all matter. are. We all are to an extent. That's the the human condition is being a grifter. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have to get by somehow. Yeah. <laughs> so do you, do you have merch yet, or are you you still working on that? Uh, you got some yeah, China so deals got, going on. 
Yeah, we've got some stuff. Uh, I, I do have a merch store through uh, don'ttreadonphilly.com. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you can go to don'ttreadonphilly.com. There is a, there's a link to uh, Teespring with just some, uh, yeah. yeah, some Don't Tread on Philly stuff. Nice. Um, wow. You can get your uh, you can get your right wing uh, imagery there. <laughs> I get people like I'm yeah I'm going through uh, you know, gathering signatures and people are just like oh why why do you have a right wing shirt or why do you have right wing tattoos like they're just Viking ruins that talk about mental health like it's huh. not right wing yeah and so- sovereignty uh, like sorry sovereignty and that sort of thing is it isn't inherently right wing it's it's uh, it's neither. Um, you it's know, really interesting. Whole... Yeah. B- breaking people out of that binary is kind of tough. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the goal. Um, so yeah, there's don't tread on Philly. I am, uh, I am actually running for mayor here in Philly next year. Uh, I announced last week. Okay. Um, so I will be running for mayor here in Philadelphia as a libertarian party candidate. Uh, we're, we're starting up the campaign. We've got an awesome team. Um, you know, it's it's not even just a libertarian team. It's not even just a libertarian campaign. We've got influence from all over the place, former communists and, and our team, like people that just have influence. And at the end of the day, believe in this this idea of, of individual sovereignty and individuals helping their community. Yeah. Um, you know, where we get off in terms of government influence might be a different spot. Like they might get off with having slightly bigger government. You know, some might get off the train at having no government. But we're all trying to head the same way and trying to sort of fight against the some of the nonsense and this false, you know, this false dichotomy out there, this, yeah. this false pittings of left versus right and individual versus individual. And the absolute uh, undeniable tyranny of uh, how the government responded to uh, the COVID crisis. Yeah, it's just uh, absolutely pretty phenomenal out, out the like nothing I've ever seen. I don't think America's ever seen this, this level. I mean, maybe world war two conscription stuff like that. Like yeah. had a lot of influence in our lives, but it's remarkable. Yeah. So we're, we're working on that. It's entirely grassroots uh, volunteer. Um, immediately after this, I'm going to be going and working on some graphic design personally and yeah, yeah. website design. And we have a kind of a placeholder up right now. It's going to be www.td as in touchdown Philly, uh, hmm. dot com. Uh, TD is in Torn Donowski. Um, hmm. So we're going to have that up. Anybody, if anybody's just interested or wants to get a hold of me or chat about any of this, it's info at tdphilly.com. Um, I generally answer my emails. Um, now, since this is separate from my Gmail account, I'm more likely to answer it. <laughs> Gmail is just kind of a mess. But yeah, you can reach me at info at tdphilly.com. Um, you know, don't tread on philly.com. There's a at don't tread Philly on Twitter. I'm actually highly, highly active on Twitter through don't tread Philly as okay. opposed to my personal account. Um, but yeah, you, you should be, if you go to, go to the website, we'll, uh, we'll be keeping people updated and we'll see how it goes. I, I think I've got a platform. Um, it's still very much left versus right here in Philly. It's, mm-hmm. it's you know, eight, it's seven to one Democrat, but mm-hmm. a lot of people are fed up. A lot of people see, the issues that are going on there are plenty of people who don't and trust me i as as a libertarian i had plenty of people slam doors in my faces and get really disgusted and Hmm. say they can't morally sign my petition when i say i just want more responsible government (laughs) so you want more irresponsible (laughs) irresponsible government like that doesn't make sense uh 
but a lot of people are fed up and i think there's yeah. i think there's a chance to try to uh yeah try to reshape the narrative a little yeah, bit make a splash in the very least yep. torn you're thank you so much for reaching out to me and uh it's just great to see your development and again like you've you've got, you've changed so much from our talk like your your light is just like yeah, just like I can, so it, it helps that I have better lighting in this room. Than I did in this <laughs> too, so there you go. <laughs> but no, I I appreciate it. I mean, in that in that uh, you know that warms that warms my heart. And and you know I'm not again I'm not seeking external validation at this point. But it's it, it's it's good. It's like it's good encouragement. Yeah. Um, it's like okay, you know, yeah, things are well, and that makes me more grateful. And so. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, very grateful for uh, for you providing voices for people like myself hmm. to talk about this stuff. Hmm. Um, you know, I've definitely enjoyed your podcast over the last couple of years, and hmm. um, thanks for doing what you're doing. It's definitely a, it's definitely a service to the community as well. My pleasure. My pleasure. And the.